Welcome to Prima's 2020 podcast series. My name is Shonda Ragland. I am the Director of Education at Prima. On this Prima podcast, Erica Moncayo will discuss guidance for developing your safety program. Erica is the Senior Risk and Safety Consultant for New Mexico Mutual. We will also be joined by Prima's Education Coordinator, Taekwon Gilbert. Taekwon will moderate the discussion. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you for joining us today, Erica. Hello, Taquan. How are you? Not bad, not bad. So for the first question, what exactly is a safety program? So the definition of a safety program is it's a health and safety program which contains the health and safety elements of an organization, which are objectives that make it possible for a company to achieve its goal in the protection of its workers at a workplace. So for instance, a safety program is the who, what, and where of an organization, essentially what is the organization going to do so it outlines what the company or organization will do to comply with OSHA standards. Who must have a safety program? Dependent on the activity of what employees are doing. So if a manufacturing organization is manufacturing chemicals or manufacturing a piece of equipment, they must have a safety program. So general industry, construction, agriculture. Agriculture, though, is kind of tricky because it's dependent on how many employees they have. But let's go back to what is a safety program. A safety program, for instance, is a hazardous communication program. Hazardous communication program that aligns with GHS, Global Harmonized System. What OSHA says is one employee, one chemical, an employer must have a hazardous communication program. What is a hazardous communication program? It is a program that outlines the hazards associated with chemicals. So actually it could be any particular organization. It's not dependent on how many employees, but there are certain safety programs that are dependent on how many employees you have. So it can be dependent, and that's a very broad question as to who, but it could be construction, it could be the film industry, it could be breweries, farms and ranches, a variety of manufacturers. At some level, every organization is going to have to have some sort of a safety program. Let's take an office setting, for example. If you have 10 or more employees, you must have an emergency action plan that speaks of any type of or reasonable anticipated emergency, and it must be outlined in that document what to do. If it's less than 10 employees, it can be communicated to the employees. It doesn't have to be in writing. So there are some variables there. Now, what are the top 10 OSHA violations? So in previous years, they haven't changed too much. But if you're looking at the perspective of general industry versus construction and you combine them together, the top 10 for the past five years has been fall protection, the general requirements. In other words, stating what an employer must do to protect their employees from anything that could be a fall hazard. In general industry, they must protect from heights at four feet. In construction, it's six feet. The second top 10 item for both industries is hazardous communications. They'll cite you for not having an actual written program. They'll cite an employer for not having 
information readily available for their employees, essentially having their SDS sheets or their safety data sheets readily accessible to where employees can easily go to an area and they are trained on where that information is located. The third is scaffolding. Well, most general industry organizations don't have a scaffolding program, but when they take the violations and they combine them by industry, general industry and construction together, scaffolding for general requirements has been number three. Number four, control of hazardous energy, meaning lockout, tagout, making sure that an employee is properly trained, not just on what the hazard is, but you can have the actual individual who would be authorized to work on a lockout tagout, and then you may have those that need to be trained just as an affected employee. So authorized would be somebody who's doing the services, servicing and maintaining and repairing of a piece of equipment, and the affected employee would be somebody who would just be utilizing that equipment but not maintenancing it. Number five, respiratory protection. One of the things that they will cite on is not having an actual written document. Again, a written document describes how the employer is going to facilitate or abide by OSHA standards. Part of that program for respiratory protection is medical surveillance, something that is always and typically missed. Annual fit testing. Training. Employees must be trained on how to select and properly don and doff their equipment. So how to put on, how to take off, how to store, how to maintain, what's the useful life of the respirator. Something that we're hearing quite often today and OSHA as of recent because of the COVID-19 has made some adjustments to the respiratory protection program, but it is extremely strenuous. Ladders is number six, how to properly utilize a ladder. If it's an extension ladder, making sure they understand about setting up the ladder three feet above the landing, meaning that the rungs must extend three feet above either the parapet or whatever landing that might be. Powered industrial trucks. Most people uh, know them as forklifts. Probably most of the items that have been cited under that standard is proper training, making sure that... Uh, the employer understands that they must retrain every three years. Understanding who can train. A lot of the times there's a misconception that, well, I'm not a certified trainer, so I can't train. OSHA says that you have to be competent. What does that mean? That the individual has the knowledge, the experience, that they are training only based on that particular vehicle or powered industrial truck or forklift that they're actually utilizing. And then number eight, training requirements for fall protection. Number nine, machine guarding. General requirements, what does that mean? It means that all items that could have a point of operation must have a machine guard on it, which works really closely with controlling of hazardous energy, lockout, tagout. And then the last is personal protective equipment and life-saving equipment. You must have a written program. You must do a hazard assessment. A lot of employers look at the hierarchy of controls and always tend to get that pyramid backwards. 
and provide personal protective equipment as the first line of defense when all reality it should be the last line of defense. Most importantly, eye and face protection. So taking the immediate workspace and identifying all the hazards that exist and identifying whether or not they can implement an engineering control or an administrative control before they actually give personal protective equipment. So with that being said, what is OSHA? So OSHA was enacted in 1971. The OSHA covers most private sector employers as well as their workers. It is the division of the Department of Labor. So it's uh, overseen by the United States Department of Labor. OSHA is the acronym for the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. It is enacted for all 50 states. And President Nixon signed it into law on December 29th of 1970. So OSHA's mission is to assure safe and healthful working conditions for all working men and women by setting and enforcing standards and by providing training, outreach, education, and assistance. The agency is also charged with enforcing a variety of whistleblower statutes and regulations. When is safety training required? Depending on the hazard. For instance, hazardous communications should be trained at higher. And then if a chemical changes or possibly if a chemical has not been used in some time, lockout, tagout at, I guess you would say, at onset of the individual working with hazardous energy. Bloodborne pathogens, first aid, those kind of trainings should be done at higher and then every two years, possibly every year, depending on the hazard, depending on the actual program. Not every organization is going to have the same exposure. So at a minimum, at higher, for instance, powered industrial trucks or forklifts, as most people know, you train them at higher or at the onset of that particular task, and then every three years. We have reached the end of our podcast. Thanks to our speaker and all of our listeners. Please visit the Prima website to hear other Prima podcasts, view upcoming Prima webinars, read Prima blogs, and learn about other Prima educational resources. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and our very own Prima Talk. Have an amazing day.